1: And now, the award winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Today we're talking about how can you really be happy together? How can positive psychology help you to build love that really does last over time? And we see so much divorce in our society and so many people breaking up, but there is a way that we can build a relationship that lasts, and we have experts who are going to tell us about that today. My guests are Suzanne Pileggi-Powalski and her husband James Powalski. And we're talking about their new book, Happy Together, Using the Science of Positive Psychology to Build Love That Lasts. And what uh, I want to tell you about both James and Suzanne. Um, Suzanne pilegi has a Master of Applied Positive Psychology degree from University of Pennsylvania, and she's a freelance writer, and she's a well-being consultant, and she specializes in happiness. And her 2010 Scientific American Mind cover story, the Happy Couple was the catalyst for this book. And James Powalski is the Director of Education and Senior Scholar at the Positive Psychology Center at the University of Pennsylvania, where he co founded the world's first Master of Applied Positive Psychology program with Martin Seligman. And he's the founding executive director of IPPA. And again, their book is Happy Together Using the Science of Positive Psychology to Build Love. At last, welcome Suzanne and welcome James. Thanks so much for having us here today.
3: Thanks, Patricia. Great. great to be with you.
2: Great, thanks. Now, IPPA—I wanted to make sure I got this—is the International Positive Psychology Association.
3: That's exactly right. Yes.
2: Okay. Good. And so you were one of the founding members of this.
3: That's right. So the field of positive psychology is about 20 years old, uh, and we were blown away by the amazing reception it was getting around the world. And so we wanted to create an association that would help bring together researchers and practitioners and students who were interested in learning more about the scientific research and its evidence-based application.
2: I want to ask, and James, I'm going to start with you here, what's the difference between psychology and positive psychology?
3: That's a really important distinction to make, Patricia. So if you think about mainstream psychology, it focuses on what's wrong with people and how to correct it, which, of course, is very important. Positive psychology, though, focuses on what's right with people and how to cultivate it. So it's a scientific study of what helps individuals and communities thrive. That's also very important, and we find it's a lot more fun.
2: So it's, what's, it's looking at what's right or what people are doing that's right? It's looking at the
3: things that can help people. Well, first of all, the strengths that we have. It's easy for ourselves as individuals or in relationship to think about how we're not measuring up. Uh, the weaknesses, the problems, the deficits. Um, and positive psychology acknowledges that it's important to do that, but it's just as important, we think, to focus on the strengths that we have and the um, the things that we're doing right or the things that, things that we can do right um, to help uh, create uh, better relationships, better communities, and to live our lives with more um, engagement and meaning.
2: Suzanne, what are the main areas that the areas you cultivate in this book that really talks about how you can be happy together and make it last?
4: We talk about um, various um, science based um, research um, habits that anybody can really work on developing to help create um, a thriving relationship. And The four specific areas we addressed in this book are promoting a healthy passion as opposed to an obsession with your partner, uh, prioritizing positive emotions in your relationship, uh, savoring experiences together, and as James mentioned, strengths, seeking out strengths in one another to help uh, further nurture, uh, to develop a better relationship.
2: Hmm. So what, what's the number, James, what's the number one thing people have to look at? Is it communication? Is it listening better? I mean, is it all of those things?
3: Yeah, so look, I think one of the things that um, couples tend to do wrong is to focus on what's wrong too much. Surely, again, there are times when it's important to do that, particularly if there's psychological abuse or physical abuse going on in a relationship. But the kinds of relationships most of us find ourselves in are ones where, you know, it's the garden variety of annoyances and problems and difficulties. And yet we oftentimes spend so so much of our effort and energy thinking about those things that we kind of take for granted, the things that are going well, and miss the possibility of adding to them. When we have problems, we typically know it because problems scream at us. And opportunities though, they just kind of whisper. And in relationships, it's important not to get caught up in just focusing so much on the problems that you forget about the opportunities in part because those opportunities I mean that's why we get married in the first place or that's why we engage enter into long-term relationships in the first place but then also those opportunities can oftentimes help us to find solutions to problems that we otherwise simply wouldn't have been able to find
2: you know and also as you said to look beyond. I mean, really listen. I think sometimes we don't always listen because we're trying to get our own gen- agenda across. Would you agree with that?
3: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. What did you say, Patricia? I didn't hear you. The, the, you're you're trying to get be. your own no.
2: ag- agenda across. So many times you're, you're not really listening to where that person's coming from. You're listening, but you're reacting.
3: Exactly. I, sorry, I was just trying to make a joke, Patricia, as so though I weren't listening to what you were saying. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> yeah, I'm uh, yeah, gonna... never mind. Um yes, you're exactly right. Um that people frequently don't listen. Um Uh, well, and, uh, there's a, there's a, um, a comic strip that I, I once saw where a couple is sitting down as talking and the man says something like, you know, what did you say? I don't think I've heard anything you've said in the last 20 years. Um, Mm. and so that's a, that's a, um, uh, a sad place in which to find ourselves. And so the flip side of it is what can we do to listen and to understand and actively look for the good in each yes. other and in our relationship? Yes.
4: And I think in the beginning of the relationship, we're much better at listening, and we're much better at asking questions. We're curious, right? So your first date, your first couple dates, maybe months into the relationship, you're really keen on learning about your partner. You're intrigued by his or her differences. You're asking questions, you know, maybe talking throughout the night. Then, unfortunately, that phase kind of stops, and you come to a point, many couples do, that you think, well... I already know all there is to know about him or her, right? And you think you're mm-hmm. a mind reader. And it's at that point when you stop asking questions um, that is detrimental to the health of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So if you could yeah. maintain that curiosity like yes. you often are in the beginning of relationships, throughout mm-hmm. your relationship, research shows that's really associated with uh, long-term health and happiness in mm-hmm. relationships. Because after all, we're always changing um, as individuals yes. and a couple.
2: Yes, yeah, that's true. Although some couples, one person is changing and the other person is not. That can be a problem, correct?
3: This is a huge problem. And this is one reason, again, why we um, focus on the importance of cultivating habits and skills of relating so that we can be flexible in our relationships. Look, a lot of people are looking for a soulmate. Uh, and if you, if, if by soulmate you just mean someone you're, you're deeply close to, we have nothing against that obviously. But oftentimes people think of a soulmate as some kind of mythical, magical, fated connection. Uh, and so if you think about, for example, the movie Jerry Maguire, where, uh, he says, uh, to his wife, you complete me. And I think oftentimes we're looking for somebody who will magically complete us. And Susie and I think that this is actually a dangerous perspective for a variety of reasons. One, if we have this sense of fate that we're just looking, just waiting for somebody who will, you know, appear to us and make our lives great, then this can lead to a sense of inaction. There's nothing I can do. It's just when fate is ready, then that person will appear. And then furthermore, that can lead to a sense of dependence when the person or when we think the person has actually come, then we we may depend on that person. To provide us with the well-being and the happiness that we long for. And research indicates that in, in in relationships, you don't want to have a relationship of dependence, nor do you want to have one of independence, but it's really interdependence right. where you want to be at. And if you're really yeah. so dependent on the other person, that can be hard for the relationship to sustain because like mm-hmm. you said one person may need you to continue to be what they need to be completed but you're growing and learning and yes. um, so it can be really yeah. frustrating if you're feeling like mm-hmm. you're, you're you're being held back uh, to be you know to meet the needs of your partner as opposed mm-hmm. to being supported uh, in your own growth and development as a full person.
2: Yeah and that kind of answers this question like in your first chapter your first question your first chapter is Is love really all you need? And so based on what you've both said, it isn't all you really need, correct? What do you think, Susan?
4: Correct. We think, I mean, it's a great start, of course, but you can't just sit back and coast into the sunset like fairy tales um, have you think. You know, there's so much focus in our culture today on getting married rather than on being married and how to stay happily together, right? So there's Mm -hmm. all these decisions you make, you know, on your wedding day. But what about all the days to come in a marriage? What about the effort you know, nobody talks about that. It's just, you know, you fall in love, you meet your partner, and you live happily ever after. And we think that does a disservice, really, to real relationships exist in the real world. Other aspects of our life, you don't expect to just land a job and be award-winning journalist, right, or radio host like yourself. No, you, you train at it, you uh, might take classes, you practice. So why is it in our uh, relationship one of the most important areas um, Mm -hmm. of our lives? Do we expect this, you know, magical person to appear and just sit back and, you know, love is all you need? All right. On that note, we're going to take a break.
2: And when we come back, we're talking more to Suzanne Pileggi-Powalski and her husband, James Powalski. And they are co-authors of this brand new book, Happy Together, using the science of positive psychology to build love that lasts and, and that's what we're talking about today is how do you build love that lasts a long time not just a short time and for years and we'll be right back with Suzanne and with James right after the break right here on voice america's voice stay tuned
0: streaming live the
5: leader in internet talk radio voice america.com psych up live with host dr suzanne phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective it's a look at what matters to us why do we laugh how do we cope with stress are men and women really that different what is it about our relationships how are they formed how they work out and why they sometimes don't every week is something new to engage you psych up live is heard every thursday at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific time on the voice america variety channel we'll turn up your perspective on life
1: have you found the beauty inside of you join bonnie bonadeo each week for beauty inside and out we'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives our guests are makeup artists hairdressers and doctors But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show.
2: Hi, everyone, and we are back. And we are talking about the book Happy Together by Suzanne Pileggi-Powalski and her husband James Powalski. And the book, again, Happy Together, using the science of positive psychology to build love that lasts. Suzanne, or Susie Pileggi-Powalski, is a freelance writer And a well-being consultant specializing in the science of happiness and its effect on relationships and health. She has a Master of Applied Psychology, positive psychology degree from the University of Pennsylvania. And James Pawalski, Ph.D., is a professor of practice and director of education in the Positive Psychology Center at the University of Pennsylvania, where he co-founded the Master of Applied Positive Psychology program with Martin Seligman. He's an international keynote speaker and is presented in more than 20 countries on six continents. And together, uh, they both give romance and research workshops around the world. So welcome back, Susie and James. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. All right. So, um, James, you write about the Aristotle, the, his philosophy. You kind of, where where does that all come in to the book? Well, it's
3: because I'm a philosopher, Patricia. So any t- any chance I get to, to talk about <laughs> Aristotle or William James, you know, I I try to do that. But honestly, it's 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 interesting that Aristotle. Um, you know, some 2,500 years ago, wrote some really insightful things that that we think are really important for relationships today. So Aristotle said, look, there are three things that human beings love. We love what is useful, we love what is pleasurable, and we love what is good. And he said there are friendships that correspond to each one of these loves. So think about it. We all have people in our lives that we're friends with them because it's useful to both of us to be friends, right? In school, you've got study buddies. You may um, you know, uh, have a friend that you start a business together, or you learn from each other in some way, which is really important to you. Or we have friends uh, that it's just pleasurable. It's fun to be around them. So we love going out with them on the weekends because they're just a blast. And Aristotle says there's nothing wrong with you. kinds of friendships. But there's a third level of friendship. He says it's even more um, mature and uh, even more stable. And that is friendships based on the good character that we see in the other person. So we see that the other person is, um, you know, just a good person. And that that attracts us to them, and it can actually motivate us to want to be better persons ourselves as we see how they're living their lives in the world. So um, when we were, and Susie and I were on our honeymoon just a little over eight years ago, believe it or not, we were actually talking about this, uh, and Susie had an interesting twist on Aristotle.
4: So, of course, you're talking about Aristotle on honeymoon, because isn't that what one does on their honeymoon? I sure
3: think so. It's great. <laughs> so, <Yep>. James <laughs> brings
4: along all of his books, probably the original uh, Nick and, and Ethics that Aristotle wrote about the good <laughs> life. So, we're sitting on a beach talking about Aristotle, and I like to joke I'm interested in Aristotle as well, maybe not to the same level. So, we're talking about his friendships, and I said to James, this is really fascinating, but why did Aristotle have to just limit this to friendships? What if we took it up a notch and we applied his philosophy to our uh, marriage? So instead of just lovers, we became Aristotelian lovers where we focused on really seeing the good character and the strengths in one another and helping each other to grow them further and become better individuals and stronger as a couple. And James said, I love that idea. So we made that our personal mission statement, if you will, of our marriage, and it became the uh, backdrop um, of our book that we ended up writing together.
2: Wow, terrific.
4: All right, so I'm
2: going to ask you, I'm going to turn this personal a little bit, only because, you know, you've written the book. You're a married couple, and obviously, or hopefully, or most of the time, you practice what you preach. So what has helped (laughs) you both, right? What has helped you both the most when things have gotten sticky? You know, whether you disagree
4: or whether there's been a problem, what has helped you both the most to get through it? I think the concept of strengths. So in positive psychology, researchers have discovered um, 24 character strengths that have existed across time and cultures that have been valued, things that we all have in different, um, you know, levels, things like creativity, kindness, leadership, love of learning, right? So it's these strengths that everybody has in a different, you know, configuration, and it's what sets us apart from one another as well as, of course, our personalities and things like that. And, Patricia, I find it very interesting that in the beginning of a relationship, often those things that attract us to our partner, we may find him, personal uh, example here, (laughs) his love of learning, bringing all those philosophy books on our honeymoon, and deliberate thinking, very... Attractive, sexy, perhaps. Maybe it helps organize our thoughts, right? But then maybe months, years into the relationship, it's those same strengths that we think, oh, why is he trying to drive me crazy? He's being persnickety, you know, not making the decision, maybe dawdling. So we tend to see in the beginning of a relationship interesting differences and later often we see them as like deficits which is a problem so your question asking what helps us I think looking back to the beginning of the relationship and what were those unique aspects and qualities? What were the, those good traits that you loved about your partner? And how can you reframe, you know, annoyances maybe in your relationship and see your partner through a lens of, lens of strengths and realizing just because he does something differently, it doesn't mean, you know, it's a deficit. It's just a difference. And how can you celebrate those strengths?
2: Mm. And also, too, wouldn't that encourage you to then uh, want to bring out the best in him so that you would see that more often?
3: Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, sometimes even even if we share the same strength, so Susie and I share uh, a top strength of creativity, but we live it out differently in our lives. So Mm -hmm. I'm a philosopher, so I tend to be creative a little bit more in the deliberative mode. Uh, whereas A Susie, <laughs> <laughs> whereas Susie is creative in the zestful mode, uh, mm. and so um, the more I can see that uh, Susie's ability to connect things quickly and um, and you know have ideas and move forward, and the more she can respect my ability to think carefully about how things connect deeply and and all that, that that's really helpful. So, for example, in writing this book together, we needed. Both of those perspectives. Both, of the, if it had just been Susie writing a book, she, it would have been out a year ago. Uh, it would have been a fine book. If it were just me, we'd probably need another decade, uh, Patricia, before uh, we'd be able to have uh, this conversation. So, in in relationships, it's so important, and it's not always easy. It's not always easy at all. But if you can see the other person's behavior, as Susie mentioned, not as just one more way of getting under our skin, but as an as mm-hmm. as strengths that they're putting into play, then that can help you to respond in a way that can um, help make those strengths come together in ways that support you as opposed to tear you apart.
4: And I think respecting those differences, you know, you don't belittle your partner when you get together, but I think a lot of couples later on, these, these qualities were there from the beginning, um, but, you know, you're either not seeing the the goodness or the strengths anymore or you're kind of flipping them and, like I said, seeing them deliberately trying to annoy you with your zest or your deliberate thinking. But respecting your partner for he, who he or she is and, um, you know, allowing them to lead with their strengths to become a better individual and to be better as a couple.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to close in a couple of minutes. So I'm going to ask each of you, what would you like to leave our listeners with? What's the If they get one thing out of this interview, James? I'll start with you.
3: Yeah, so um, we believe that relationships are too important just to leave to chance and to fate. So it's important to work carefully on the kinds of skills and habits that we can develop to help ourselves grow and to help our partners grow. So That's the first thing. Secondly, it's important to do it in community with others. So we have a website at www.buildhappytogether.com that has a lot of uh, uh, important information, including ways in which we can all connect as a virtual community to help not just our partners, but also each other to help build love
4: that lasts. And I think I would simply say just focus on finding and feeding the good in your relationship and your partner.
2: And just give us an example, Susie. Just give us us a quick example of how you might do that.
4: Well, so like I just talked about to stay with strength since we went on that, what is it about your partner um, that attracted you to him or her and how can you see this strength as an asset to your relationship? So maybe taking turns, you know, if I mentioned James's analytical thinking many times. So certain things I can't stand, I'll be honest, like balancing the checkbook and doing things that take kind of slow, deliberate thinking. So mm-hmm. how about, you know, finding chores that they can use their strengths and you respect each other and he can do those things. I love to connect with people and mm-hmm. making social plans or traveling plans and figure out vacations. I'm an anticipator. So... James often puts me in charge, and the research mm-hmm. shows that when we lead with our strengths and we use them on a daily basis, we experience heightened well-being. Absolutely. So why right. not in, in assign tasks in, right, to things you're work. naturally good at? Right. So In
2: work and in per- personal life. I mean, this is happening in work all the time, the the soul leadership style, where people are leading with their strengths and finding a lot of results. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, these,
3: these, these, These principles about relationships hold for romantic relationships. They also hold for all other kinds of relationships, family relationships, work relationships, friendships, et cetera.
2: All right. How can people get your book and learn more about your work? And are you doing workshops and seminars? Tell us about that.
4: Yes, so our book is available at bookstores nationwide. It's also available on Amazon. If they want to learn uh, more, they could go to our website at buildhappytogether.com. We're going to be speaking at a number of upcoming conferences, including the World Happiness Summit in Miami the weekend of March 15th. We're going to be uh, speaking in uh, Toronto at the Canadian Conference on Positive Psychology at the end of May. And we're speaking in London at the Action for Happiness um, event uh, on July 12th. And Wonderful. probably some others, but they're from the top of my head. <laughs> All right. And that's
2: BuildHappyTogether.com. Thank you both so much for being on the program. It was really enlightening. Thank you, Thank Patricia. you Patricia. It yeah, was really yeah. fun uh, talking with you today. Thanks. Stay on the line for a minute. All right. Again, the book is Happy Together. Using the science of positive psychology to build love that lasts. Written by Suzanne Pilegi powalski and James Pawalski, husband and wife team. And you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com. Stay tuned, we'll be right back.